All right, all right. Let's talk about what you need to know with uh, MDI Prep. So hello, everyone. We are excited because today we have one of our recent MDI Prep students who will be sharing some valuable information about what they remember from their INBDE board exam. Now, be sure to take notes and come back to this recording as often as you need to. As always, don't forget this podcast offers just high yield remembered questions from the IMBDE exam. It's not intended to be your only source of studying. Now, if you want real instructors with real live instruction, answering your questions with a very structured schedule, then be sure to sign up for our next INBDE class. And you can go to www.mdiprep.online. That's www mdiprep.online and choose the INBDE link under courses. Now, remember, at the end of the podcast, hit the subscribe and the like button if you want to receive more of these high yield topics for the INBDE. So we don't want to waste any more time. We do not want to waste another second. I want to welcome Dr. SP to the MDI podcast. OK, and we're going to welcome Dr. SP. How are you doing, Dr. SP? It's going well. Just happy that the board exam is over. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, look, we don't want to waste any time. We know you have some very good information um, for our students today. And like I said, make sure, please listen to Dr. SP. Uh, he's recently taken the exam. So the information that he knows is going to be valuable. So, so make sure you pay close attention to that information. OK. All right. Let's get started. All right, guys, so on today's podcast episode, we'll be talking about multiple myeloma. This is going to be primarily um, kind of give a brief overview of it, some signs and symptoms that you should know for the board exam, ways to diagnose and treat it, as well as some kind of commonly asked questions and how to identify it. So starting off, this is primarily going to be a cancer associated with plasma cells. And so plasma cells are going to be a type of white blood cell that's going to be producing immunoglobulins. Uh, with multiple myeloma, the most common type of immunoglobulin that's overproduced is going to be IgG, followed by IgA, and then IgD. So these are the three most commonly overproduced ones. Uh, generally, multiple myeloma, you're going to see it in a population of older individuals. Uh, median age for diagnosis and onset as well is going to be around 70 years old. Um, in multiple myeloma, because of these overgrowth of plasma cells in the bone marrow, it can kind of crowd out the normal good blood cells that are regularly going to be forming, resulting in low blood counts. And so this leads to like a big triad of anemia, so a shortage of red blood cells, which results in fatigue and weakness overall, just from lack of oxygen getting to our cells. It can also cause low levels of platelets in the blood, and this is known as thrombocytopenia. And that results in increased bleeding as well as bruising in these patients. And lastly, they can also develop leukopenia, a shortage of normal white blood cells. And so because these white blood cells help with fighting infections, when we have leukopenia, this is going to lead to problems fighting off any infection that the body is going to face. Uh, so that's just a brief background of the condition and kind of the most common uh, things associated with it. Next, we'll go to some of the signs and symptoms. So with multiple myeloma, it's primarily going to be characterized with bone resorption as well as bone marrow replacement. And both of these are going to result in bone pain. 
And in fact, one of the earliest signs of multiple myeloma in patients is going to be lower lumbar pain. So pain in your lower back is kind of one of the earliest signs of that discomfort from multiple myeloma um, advancing. And so due to defects in the bone marrow replacement, like we said as well, right, these patients are going to have anemia, leukopenia, and thrombocytopenia, resulting in that fatigue, um, increased risk of infection, and increased bleeding. In multiple myeloma, the number one cause of death as well is going to be actually the result of infection. And then the second most common cause of death is going to be renal failure, since this condition can also affect the kidneys. When we're looking at diagnosing this condition, most often we're going to be screening patients using a Bentz-Jones protein test. The Bentz-Jones protein is actually normally not found in the urine in very high concentrations. This is actually going to be a really small protein made by plasma cells, particularly white blood cells that are producing antibodies like the immunoglobulins. And in patients with multiple myeloma, since this cancer is affecting the plasma cells, you're going to have that have it found at very, very high concentrations in the urine, and that's diagnostic for multiple myeloma itself. When it comes to treating this condition, there's different types of therapies that we have. So some treatments are going to be known as kind of local therapies. This just means generally that they're treating these tumors that are occurring in this condition without really affecting the rest of the body. And these local therapies are more likely to be useful for earlier stage or less advanced cases of multiple myeloma. Although they could also be used in uh, different other situations as well. And so some examples of these local therapies would be things like surgery, uh, localized radiation, or even systemic treatments and drugs. And then more recently, they're introducing stem cell transplants as well as CAR T-cell therapy. And um, so CAR T-cell therapy is actually kind of on the forefront of treatment for this. It's not something that the board exam has adopted as of yet. But essentially, you're helping the body's own immune system find a way to attack specifically cancer cells. And so CAR T-cell therapy is kind of a cell-based gene therapy because you're altering the genes inside certain immune cells to help them attack the, the cancerous cells and multiple myeloma. And so there's a lot of other ways besides CAR T-cell therapy and the aforementioned kind of methods that I just kind of went over for you guys. And so we can talk about... Um, other ways that people generally are going to handle this. And so there are medications that we can take as well. And so some of the most common ones are going to be thalidomide. Thalidomide is um, actually going to work by inhibiting TNF-alpha and interleukin-6 secretions. And so this is going to be an oral immunomodulatory drug. And so it, that means it's just a, an agent that can modify or regulate the immune system. It will have both um, anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer properties. And so originally this drug was first used to treat multiple myeloma in 1997, and then it was officially approved for use in treating this condition um, in 2006, generally with the combination of a steroid such as dexamethasone, which is what you're most likely to see on the board exam. Uh, bortezomib is another medication used commonly to treat multiple myeloma. This one is actually going to be a protease, proteasome inhibitor, sorry. Um, it will eventually lead to actually endoplasmic reticulum um, stress, which results in apoptosis and cell death of these cancerous cells, just uh, as a result of DNA damage within them. We also have bisphosphonates, which are the third most commonly prescribed medication in these patients. And because of multiple myeloma, you have defects in bone turnover. This is going to actually induce osteoclasts to undergo apoptosis. 
generally these bisphosphonates are actually going to be more of a supportive ther therapy to inhibit progression of the osteoclastic activity um, and affect skeletal related morbid morbidity as well as mortal mortality rates secondary to this process of defects in uh, bone turnover. And so we also want to consider how we're going to manage patients that have multiple myeloma whenever they present to us. And so for patients with multiple myeloma, if you suspect that they have multiple myeloma, then you can obviously, or then you should refer them for a medical consult first. Or even if you know that they do have it, you should make sure you get medical clearance from their physician and have all necessary tests done. Like we said already, we'd probably want a red blood cell count, a white blood cell count, and a platelet count as well due to the risk of fatigue, infection, and increased bleeding and bruising. In patients with multiple myeloma that have a white blood cell count that's under 2,000 cells per microliter, then generally we um, consider antibiotic prophylaxis due to the risk of infection after treatment. If their platelet count is below 50,000 platelets per microliter, then we want to ensure that they're receiving a platelet transfusion before any invasive or surgical dental procedure, such as an implant or an extraction, or as well as any uh, periodontal surgery as well. And then how can we as dental providers find ways to diagnose or even suspect multiple myeloma to get patients the help they need when they may not even realize they have this condition? So most commonly, we'll see it on a lateral cephalometric radiograph, and you'll see many like circular radiolucencies almost as if someone took a hole punch to the skull. And so that's really the ultimate diagnostic tool radiographically as dental providers that we would be more likely to see than a patient's uh, family med, med doctor. As well as amyloidosis, most commonly for us, it's going to be in the tongue. So amyloidosis, it's a kind of a rare disease. It's characterized by extracellular aggregation of amyloid proteins. There's at least 30 different amyloid proteins. You don't have to know that specifically, but it's just an aggregation of various amyloid proteins overall. And so these proteins are going to react um, in a way that allows them to accumulate in places like the heart, as well as the tongue, and cause tongue enlargement. And so macroglossia has been reported as a clinical sign of multiple myeloma. It's not commonly going to be seen as a first clinical sign in this condition, but it is associated with it. And so we do want to be kind of wary of that tongue enlargement in patients that are presenting with it or even complaining of it as well. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Dr. SP. That's some good stuff. I mean, those are some really good things that you uh, that you touched upon that are on the exam. And um, and I'm hoping everyone has been taking some good notes and things like that. I wanted to ask you, are there any particular like questions that they they ask like what what are the type of questions that they ask related to uh, multiple myeloma that the students might see? And then some of the questions that a lot of people have with multiple myeloma, starting just in no particular order, so would be how would this present to us as dental students taking the board exam on a patient box, for example? What would we be um, seeing? And so generally, you're going to see an older aged individual that meets the demographic of someone who's characterized by having the diagnosis of this, so around 70 years old. They're going to be having a list of medications. Generally, you'll see a bisphosphonate 
as well as dexamethasone, which is the primary steroid used to treat it. And so those two are pretty indicative that you're dealing with multiple myeloma. And they're also going to give you, most of the time, a radiograph. It'll be a lateral ceph, and it will actually show those hole-punched radiolucencies kind of all throughout the skull, which is another indicative sign of this condition. Another question that students have are what risks should be we should we be concerned with with the medications generally that patients with multiple myeloma are taking. Okay. So the two most common meds are going to be a bisphosphonate as well as some sort of steroid medication. And so with bisphosphonates we're worried about osteonecrosis of the jaw from yeah. the medication. Yeah. And also remember that dexamethasone, which is a steroid medication, actually exacerbates or increases the risk of that osteonecrosis of the jaw as well. And so that's like the main thing that we need to be worried about with these patients and how to manage that and treat it after getting medical clearance for dental care. Okay. Lastly, how is this condition really going to affect the bones as well? And so with multiple myeloma, these uh, plasma cells that are cancerous are actually basically telling osteoclasts to dissolve, dissolve bone at a faster rate. So then you have all this old bone broken down without any new bone ready to replace it. And so that basically makes the bones weak and easy to break and fracture. Well, wow. Thank you. Thank you. That was, that was again, amazing. And I appreciate that. And of course we look forward to having you again, but uh, we definitely want to, Thank you for coming out and sharing with us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure to help out. And I hope kind of what we talked about helps the students a lot out whenever they're preparing and studying for their exams. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, again, um, be sure, everyone, to tune in to our podcast. We give you some high yield INBDE information that is very pertinent for the exam. And remember, if you like this content, please subscribe, hit the like button so you can receive messages on when we're uploading a new podcast. And remember, we have a new we have another class that's starting soon. It's a full length INBDE course with live instructors where we go through all of the INBDE content. It lasts about three months. Um, everything is live. It's interactive. And you can find the information at www.mdiprep.online. And until next time, have a great day and study hard.